Leading the segment is the Fool card, which is under our first question, why you are magical. So this card, <laughs> I do find funny for me because this is a new aspect of my life. You know, starting these websites, these videos, these uh, podcasts or documentaries, journals, however it is that you want to view them, is new for me. These are things that I've wanted to do for a while, but I have completely avoided, uh, dodged. There are many signs that have come whirling my way that I ducked and dodged completely. And now I am just, pardon my French, I said, fuck it. <laughs> I'm just going to dive right in and do this. And so this is what I feel this card is hinting at, kind of speaking to uh, speaking to me for why I'm magical. Um, and I also feel like this represents me inside my own family, how this card has followed me through my life when it comes to me pursuing the craft or things that have edged me into doing it. So I'm just going to read the quick, it's not really quick. I'm just going to give a little description on the card. So what my book here says is, while it is true that every step we take affects our future, the Fool represents a crossroads of major importance. The next step will be the start of a new journey or phase in our lives. As the name implies, the method for deciding this next step easily can be described as foolish by those who, who prefer a rational approach with lists of pros and cons. And again, that is a lot like me where I do make those lists. I try to uh, overthink things and plan things out, but then I get caught up and, and then I never get around to actually finishing it. Then there are those things where I just dive straight into and they're horribly put together and not the best to look at, but at least they are completed. So I guess the full card is quite good for me. Uh, continuing, instead of making a detailed plan, the fool makes the decision intuitively, taking a leap of faith. There is a sense of spontaneity, but in most images, the fool carries a bag indicating some forethought. The fool represents moving without knowing precisely where we'll end up or how exactly we'll get there. Yes, that is a lot like me. And uh, a quick little tip, when reading cards, you definitely want to point out things that are going on in the card. No matter how obvious they are, speak them out loud and point them out. So for this card that I'm looking at, you see a man who's about to walk off a cliff. You see a dog who is leaping on his back legs, joyously barking at, at the man, almost guiding or walking with him, not really looking where he is going either. This man, not looking down, he is looking up. He looks calm. He looks tranquil. He looks serene. The setting in the background is light and sunny. Um, the grass is green. He's wearing beautiful clothing. He's also wearing a, he's also holding a white flower. Looks like a white rose. That same white rose can also be seen in the death card, which is one of my personal favorite cards. The Death Knight is holding a flag with a white rose, and that symbolizes transformation and new beginnings. So he is holding a white rose with a bag over his shoulder, looking up, kind of not 
looking where he's going. Just like what the book said, he is taking a leap of faith and it looks as though he is uh, showing people a path, almost convincing others to do the same. Uh, with that with that dog a dog dogs are known to be followers a man's best friend so another way to look at this card is the core meaning of it it's just a simple little vague expression the moment before the first step is taken so that's what that card represents why you're magical it's that beginning uh sensation that that excitement that thrill that i feel that it's speaking to me for there is a poem called um, Ode to a Gregorian Urn or Gregation Urn, and it talks about those mid-moments in between kissing someone, you know, you see this beautiful portrait of a couple about to kiss, and the author discusses how he feels bad for them, for they will never be able to feel each other's lips. But yet at the same time, he is jealous of them because they will never have to know the suffering or pain of getting to know your partner eventually in the end. So he is jealous that they will forever be in this eternal, frozen, fluttering state of um, passion and excitement. And that is what I feel it means for me. Why am I magical? Aspects that, that make me magical. So going on to the second card here, it is reversed. And the second question is, why you are rare? And it is a reversed page of pentacles. So this quick description here of the page of pentacles is... The Page of Pentacles is someone who has received something new, such as a material item, a resource, or money, or a way to earn money, which is represented by the pentacle. For him, this item is worth far more than it appears. In it, he sees possibilities. He is imagining how he can make the best use of it. More than likely, he will parlay this opportunity into more than anyone else would imagine. Whether or not this actually happens is uncertain, but he is certainly going to try. Now, there are times where it seems like your cards can be almost insulting you, but again, you have to remember where these cards come from. And I've had these cards for so long that they have almost transformed how they relay information to me to where now I can almost see the true meaning. They, they come across things almost in like, like a satire kind of way. And I can see through deciphering it as I slowly start to realize what it is that they're saying. And even once you get that, once you get to a specific card, you may not even understand fully what that card means until you've finished going through the rest of your cards. You know, you may not fully understand what card two means until I get to card four. So with card two right now, why you are rare, it is a reversed page of pentacles. So the original page of pentacles, meaning the core meaning is one who is assessing something in the area of the physical world resources or finances and so it's reversed and what this card deck is saying to me is well, blatantly what it's saying is is I, i'm not assessing things uh, according to the world around me 
And at first that could be seen as an insult, but I don't see it that way. You know, because you have to remember, you have to take into consideration the original question. The question is why you are rare. And what it's saying is what I'm taking it as is I don't view things in the physical world like resources and finances and the physical aspects of my life the same way as other people do. There are also a lot of readers out there who know far more information about individual cards as I do right now myself. Again, I am still learning and I have been learning for years now and I go at my own pace according to the own situation that go on in my own life. Now I heard that there are also um, hidden meanings within cards itself, like who it is that it's referring to, specific aspects, um, if you're doing it for a specific person, about people in their life, the individual cards can also give you things like uh, hair color. I've seen that before and I've seen it and heard it gets pretty on the dot. So those are definitely things that one can also look up into. There are books that go deeper into the um, past the intermediate and beginner levels into the more experienced and expert levels of understanding the tarot cards. So why you're magical, why you are rare. I am rare in the sense that I don't view things the same way as everyone else. And that, that I can go deeper into. I just want to, for now, hurry things along so I can get an idea of the whole spread as a whole. So this next card is number three. And what... Um, how it is that I heal others. So here I have the Seven of Swords. Now the Seven of Swords, you have a man carrying five swords, leaving behind two, and he is running out of a village. He is looking back. Now this sword, this, sorry, this card says, this card is about theft. Who the thief is and what has been taken may be div uh, dividend. Who the thief is and what has been taken may be divined by the other cards, and is, as it is not evident here. The card hints at the possibility of his capture, but more so at the idea of karmatic retribution rather than social justice. The, the item being taken may be tangible, but because this, uh, this is a sword card, it may be tangible, such as an idea, confidence, or freedom. Ooh, so again, these cards are looking like they're coming out about a bit negative, and uh, um, again, you do have to take into consideration um, the personal background of these cards, um, I have not used these cards in quite some time. I have gotten newer decks and I've been wanting to familiarize myself with them. And th this, this particular deck, because I have had it the longest, you know, it is quote unquote, my first child. Um, when I don't use it, the answers come out a lot more snarkier. <laughs> I love this card with uh, this deck with all of my heart. You just have to take whatever it's saying with a grain of salt. 
This is, um, this deck takes after my mother. <laughs> so this co core meaning for this card is someone who has taken something. And how would that correlate with the question, how do you heal others? How, how would one heal someone as they are taking from them? And this card actually hits pretty close to home because I have been known to take on too much of other people's emotions in the past. I have been known to take in strays, as a certain psychiatrist like to say, people who have experienced things, traumatic things in their, in their past that I feel uh, attached to or I can relate to. And so I take them on and I carry emotions with me. Um, I am an empath and I am still learning how to block things that aren't my own, how to identify my own emotions and someone else's and how to harness that ability to be able to control someone else's emotions through your own. So what it's saying is, is I am stealing things. You know, I feel almost unsure as if I may be caught, um, this card hints at the possibility of his capture, but more so at the idea of karmatic retribution rather than social justice. And this definitely does hit home because it, it um, affected me about two years ago. I had a complete breakdown because I was going through so much in my life. I had gone through so much in my childhood that I got to this point in my life where things had calmed down and everything blew up. You know, my body was in survival mode for so long that, uh, when things calmed down, it um, went into overload and backfired and I discovered a lot about myself and, you know, it was a make, make it or break it point in my life. And that was when I realized that I was just surrounded by these psychic vampires, these strays, these uh, people, these who just feed off of your emotions and, I'm not, nor it's not their, their fault, nor is it my fault. It's just, you have to understand yourself and you have to respect yourself and listen to what it is that your body is trying to tell you. And there are, um, outside forces that really affect how it is that you view yourself. So if your gut is saying something like walk away, listen to it. So now it is this fourth question we are at this just past this halfway mark so question number four is what tames you and for card four i have a reversed five of swords so this five of swords says a fire victory is one that comes at too great a cost the five of swords is a is a card of victory and of loss the victorious figure seems oblivious to the destruction and is just happy to have won. It is not clear when or if he will ever realize the price he paid, although at some point an accounting must be made. The cost of this situation is too high. Some interpretations leave off the idea of victory altogether and all the cards simply defeat and on the back, the core meaning is a victory tinged with defeat. Now, this card took a second for me to understand because the question was a little odd. What tames you? And 
after reading it over and over again, you know, I also have to mention that this card is reversed. It is a reversed five of swords. So a victory tinged uh, with defeat. What's the opposite of that? As this card likes to, as this deck likes to be read. It is not clear whether or if he will ever realize the price he has paid. Although at some point an accounting must be made. So this card, I feel though as if it is speaking to my desire to play fair, to lose as a team, then win for my own pride, um, is what tames me. I feel when I feel the most docile at one, I like to work in environments where I work with as a team, where we all have our own strengths. Um, aces in their places or in, in delegating like like a manager you know what tames me I'd much rather lose and be with the people and feel the things that they're feeling than win and in a sense lose you know it, it reminds me of the old movie Annie get your gun and she sings about how you can't get a man with a gun and you know, she's a woman and she loves a man who's uh, really good at, at gunslinging and she's almost better than him. And if she beats him, then he'll never truly love her because his pride or ego will be in the way. So she has to decide, you know, does she want to win or does she want to have a man? So she ends up losing the match so that he would love her. You know, in this day and age, it's it's a little sad, but that was a big step for her to make in that time. So I feel like that's what this card is saying. It, it Again, it is a little loose. I can go deeper into it to fully try to understand it. But um, at this time, I will just be content with what it is that I have now. What tames me, it, victory tinge with, I like to play fair. Um, I like to be in good environments. The next card that we have here is how you transform, how I have transformed. This is card number five and I drew the lover's major arcana card and the lover's card is a definitely, it's, it's not one that I pull often and um, here is why. So it says almost everyone likes falling in love or being in love because of the way that it makes us feel. This is a complex card about the union of opposites, communion with the divine, and completion. But at the end of the day, it is really about making a choice. Specifically, it is about making a decision that makes you feel as good, as certain, as strong, and maybe even as scared and vulnerable as being in love makes us feel. The decision can be about any aspect of our lives. The choices can be many or few. What matters with this card is picking the option that resonates with your heart, makes you feel good about yourself, and creates a sense that all is right in the world. So how I transform is falling in love with my gut, pretty much is what it's saying, and that's... 100% true. 
core meaning making a decision that makes your heart glad i just i cannot emphasize that enough do if if you don't feel right if you are guessing if you feel well maybe i shouldn't then don't if you are not 100% on board on something do not do it if your gut is saying no i want this and this is what i know this is all that i'm thinking about this is i i can't get my mind off of it your gut is telling you listen to it so how I transform is by listening to my gut. And when I'm getting anxious or nervous and I'm feeling antsy, I sit and I meditate and I think and concentrate why it is. And my gut is always telling me it's because I am ready to stretch. My shell is getting too small and I am ready to move on to this next stage of my life. And that is how I transform. I make a decision that makes my heart feel good. This last card here is card six, source of my power. And for this card, I drew the three of wands. Three of wands is a little complicated here. So I'll just go ahead and dive right in with reading what the book describes. The idea of active waiting may sound like a contradiction in terms. However, it has much in common with the practice of active listening. In active listening, the listener is being particular, particularly receptive, taking in everything the speaker is saying, how it is being said, body language, etc. Receptively is often thought of as passive, but it isn't always. In baseball or in football, an outfielder or wide receiver receives the ball, but they don't just stand there waiting for it to come to them. They are watching the action, focusing on the ball, and preparing themselves to catch the ball. They are also poised with a plan for what they will do after they get the ball. In the Two of Wands, there is a focus on gathering and releasing energy towards a vision. The Three of Wands is the time between the energy being released and the goal being realized. It is a time of strong belief in the desired outcome, watching for it, doing what is possible to ease its progress, and being ready to act once it arrives. The source of my power, the three of wands. The core meaning is active waiting. Now this card, I I also, I too know is, is, is true. I don't have to say that for every card because this card knows me and everything will be true, but it always does shock me and kind of upset me when the card comes out true. And that's, there's a, um, there's a quote by Plato and he says, enlightenment leads to disappointment. And it's, um, definitely true. There's, there's this part of me, you know, that wants to be the chosen one. I want to walk down a path and find a door into a magical world. I want to be that chosen one. And you have to come to terms with, you know, life is what you get. You know, certain things aren't going to happen. And if you spend your life expecting them, things will pass you by. So active waiting is a good source of my power because you have to realize that they're not going to happen right now. You have to set yourself up. You have to be patient for things to happen. 
and that's exactly why I did a spread on myself is because of the fact that I wanted to show that waiting so long isn't always the best route to take. You know, I've, I've waited so long to do these types of videos that I feel I, I just waited too long and I wouldn't, I would be a lot farther than where I am now, but I can't look at things like that. I have to appreciate the fact that I even made that first step. You know, don't be mad at yourself for not getting up on a certain time when other people get up. Just be proud of the fact that you got up. It doesn't matter what time, as long as you are able to check something off your list. It doesn't matter what other people say. Because remember, we are all viewing things through our own lenses. And we all have different sources of power. And for now, waiting is the best one. Whenever you feel rushed or pressured, just sit, take some breaths, and just wait. Wait for those thoughts to stop. And if anything comes to your mind, any, any questions, any, anything that screams out to you, research them. Message me. Tell me about your own personal experiences and how these are wrong or how they differ, differ from you. Because we are all here to learn. And this is exactly why I did my own spread because this is, these are things that I had to learn slowly over time. I didn't have anyone to talk to. These were all things I had to pick up through other cultures and experiences slowly over time in the best way that I felt that I could learn. So one of the things that I also learned was after you do your spread, um, after you do readings, it takes a lot of energy from you and through practice, you can figure out how to harness that energy and f realize and, um, learn to harness other ways and other energies that aren't your own. So in times like these, when you finish your spread, you're not left hungry or tired or dizzy. So after your spread, you want to thank whoever it is that you call to be with you today, either yourself, your courage, an ancestor, a familiar, a, a god, whoever it is. If there's a certain tree outside your window reflecting beautiful light and you wanted that warmth with you, thank that presence, thank that warmth, gather your things, thank them, put them away. Uh, leave them with crystals for recharging. Leave them by a window seal. It doesn't have to be moonlight. It can be whatever it is that you feel that you love. Thank them. Put them away. Sit down. Take some breaths and thank yourself for taking that time to learn these things about yourself. And this, this spread is available to the public. I will be doing these spreads for my fam for my family, for my friends. If you are interested, for only $5, I will be able to email your own personalized spread and explain to you how those affect you in your life. Email me with any questions you have, any concerns. I am all ears and I will be here all day to listen to anything that it is that you have to say. We are all here to learn and we are all beautiful creatures. Thank you. You have a wonderful night. Hello there, little dewdrops. This is Miss Madrival, and tonight I wanted to shed a little light on divination, specifically tarot cards. 
In this episode, I'm going to give you a setup or a layout on exactly what tarot cards are, uh, the things that they can do for you, and how exactly you can use them to see what it is that you're not seeing. I'll also be giving you a little example by doing a reading on myself to show you how they're exactly viewed, to see how it is that you can see what they're trying to say to you. So let's go ahead and start off by saying, before I start any new tactic or method, a new um, method that I've never used before, I always, always do my research. It may seem like a drag to have to do your research and read what may seem like books upon endless books, but it is worth it. Trust me, you do not want to do anything unless you know exactly what it is that you are doing and how it works. It's like um, a clock. If you have a clock, you know, and, and you're trying to fix it, it's best to know what it is that's going on on the inside, what those gears do, how it is that, that, that they work so that if you try to fix it, you know where the problem is and where to improve, where if something goes wrong and you can see it with, with your third eye. So to start, tarot was originally never even used for divination. It was originally just used as an old, I think it was Italian or English card playing games. But it wasn't until about the 1700s that they started to morph and become more widely known in Europe for the divination purposes. There are some um, people that claim that it goes all the way back to ancient, ancient Egypt, like around the 3000 BC, which would not surprise me. I mean, they were so far advanced for their time, so it would not surprise me if they had some forms of the divination tarot cards. A little, a little bit about myself is that I have been practicing the tarot for about mm, eight to nine years now, about actively. I have been interested in the divination and the craft for longer, but it wasn't until I was about 17, 18 that I actually bought my first deck. The deck that I will be using tonight, actually, was one that called to me, and uh, it's been in my life for quite some time now. Um, so I do have a little bit of personal experience, and remember that anything that I do say comes from my own personal experience, and remember that we are all unique individuals who all experience things differently so again take into consideration your own life and try to take whatever it is that I, I do tonight and make it a quirk it a little bit make it unique and make it your own so the way tarot cards work is that th think of them as windows to um quote-unquote the afterlife or quote-unquote um the unknown the the divine they're essentially a window. They are a reflection of you into what it is that you are looking for. So if you are anxious or depressed or you have, are you, you're clouded or you have a lot going on, if you try to do a reading, it's going to come out clouded. It's going to come out um, messy, scrambled, unreadable, abstract. It's not going to come out good because they are an extension of yourself. They're not just a direct link to some individual spirit or any um, deity. They are an extension through yourself. So yes, you can be speaking to specific deities or spirits, but they will be 
transcribed through you. So before doing readings, you want to make sure to ground yourself, which there are many ways to do. Just doing a simple breathing is probably the best, um, the easiest, fastest way to do it. Just concentrate on, on your breathing and try to calm your mind and focus on what it is. Remember, you want to get that intent in there. Intent is your biggest thing. So again, if this is a new tactic or a new method that method that you are using and you have recently gone out and purchased a new tarot deck, remember to cleanse it. Cleanse it, cleanse it. You never know where it came from, who touched it, energies that it passed through, areas that it was that was in. All of that gets picked up and carried and is um, brought with brought with it to you. So before using, you definitely want to cleanse. And I do have here a few ways on how to cleanse and how to appropriately uh, wash the energy and previous energy from your deck. So again, and again, these are personal tactics that I have used for myself. These are not the only ones. There are hundreds of different ways one can do it. I'm sure there are ways that no one's even thought of that if you think in your heart that that would work best, odds are it will work because it is all about you as an individual. So this first method that I use is actually uh, one of the ones that I use more often. It's moon bathing. So what you would do is like on a full moon or a new moon specifically, Preferably a full moon because that does have stronger energies when it comes to recharging and rejuvenating. Um, it can also be any moon specific to you or to that deck. Different decks have different personalities, different um, lenses. I like to say lenses. Let's think of them as more like different colored kaleidoscopes. You know, you look through them and they can present answers differently. Some can be more forceful. Some can be more laid back or uh, more feminine or more masculine. So you want to be able to cleanse that deck to see where it is by itself. So moon bathing is my personal favorite. I leave it out overnight. I'd like to put a little crystal on it as well. Just a little um, clear clear quartz crystal. Uh, one to hold it down if it's windy or I'll even leave it in the bag itself with the crystal with the crystal within the bag. And you'll leave it out there overnight for a few hours. However it is that you feel comfortable, you know, if you're in a public setting, then maybe you want to hold on to it in fear of, you know, someone coming up with sticky fingers and taking it. Another way is um, meditation. You can meditate with it. You can concentrate on it. And by doing that, you can um, put your own energy into it. There are a few ways that you can do that. You can um, lay next to it. You can have it on you. You can have it in your hands and you can have it laid in front of you. Um, you can have them sprawled out in front of you. You, you can also, uh, no matter where your position is, you just lay your hands over it and meditate, concentrate, and put all of your energy into your hands and into transferring that into your deck cleansing it, vibrating it, surrounding it, um, pretty much just releasing all that had already been holding on to that and replacing it with your own. You want to imagine your own energy surrounding your cards in a protective white light, encasing it. And you want to do that for a while. I'm not, no, I'm not saying that you have to do it for a long time, but at least long enough to where you feel confident and almost relieved as if this is, had already happened. If, if you go into this with doubt or then this goes for any method that you use for 
anything that you are interested in in looking into you have to have that courage that intent and they, there can't be doubt if you go in positive that it will work it will work there's no reason for it not to so we have moon, moon bathing and we have meditation another one is salt burial i don't use this one as often but it definitely is a good one to use especially if you have different types of salt um kosher salt i mean that's the obvious basic one that you, you can find in a grocery store pink himalayan salt black salt you can have the whole ground um the whole like chunks of salt crystal salt and by burying your deck within that and leaving it buried it is used to draw out the negative energy from within your cards all of that it's like a when your phone drops in water and you put it in salt, this or it's, uh, rice, all of that rice absorbs that that moisture, leaving it dry. So it's kind of like that when you put your deck in that salt, it is literally sucking all of that negativity from within the paper, from within the energy, embedded into its core and pulling it out. And after doing that, depending on your salt and depending on how bad a state your cards were in, you would want to dispose of that salt. So if you're just doing a standard cleansing, like you've already cleansed it before, this is just your regular run-of-the-mill monthly cleansing, or after you've done a big reading and you feel like a good cleanse will do good, you can hold on to it, even uh, reuse it, just re-cleanse re that salt and, and repurpose it and recycle it. But if this, this deck had come from a previous owner and you are trying to save it, um... I would recommend disposing of that salt because it now it is completely infected with that negativity and just disposing of it, bur burial um, in a fire, whatever way that you feel safe. This last one I use with everything. This one probably takes the least, about, least amount of physical energy from you, but I feel is above all the best way to cleanse your deck and it's just by a simple sorting and shuffling and that sorting and shuffling is exactly what it is is you get your deck and you uh, sort it you divide it by its suits the minor and uh, major arcana and then you go by the uh, suits as well and I like to combine them I will do a sorting and sh I will sort it and then I'll leave it out for the moon bath leave it with a crystal and the next day I'll, I'll, I'll come back in and I'll do a really good uh, shuffle as I do a simple basic um, either spirit guide or self-cleansing spread something that has to do with myself just so I can imprint that deck and that energy with my own energy once again which is what I would recommend if you are starting off and you are just buying a deck you want to do a regular cleansing a real good one I would suggest shuffling leaving it out I probably combine them do them all together cleanse 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 continue doing it it is never enough until you feel like like it is enough you can do it 10 12 or maybe just once whatever it is that feels best for you do it so now we've talked about where tarot come from how it is that tarot is used and how you can use it and how you can understand it different ways in which you can cleanse it and prepare yourself and now we're going to get into how to use them and how to well prepare yourself for doing a spread and the reason why I am doing a spread on me and not 
um, on someone else or for a specific question that I have is because I want to show to people how easy and light it is. It's not as um, terrifying or nerve-wracking as you would think it is. A lot of times when I want to do readings, I get um, overwhelmed. I feel like I have to do a lot to prepare myself and a lot of the times that's just not the case. So all I did was go on Pinterest. I saw a cute little tarot spread that called out to me. You know, not all of them work and not all of them are as well thought out as other ones. But this one I thought was pretty cute. Um, vague. It was, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was, uh, let's just call it the, the unicorn spread. And it's about um, you and your magical abilities. So before doing these, this recording, I cleansed my deck and I shuffled it a good few times and it's been sitting next to me with, with a crystal kind of just charging. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shuffle my deck three more times, putting in all of my intent and focus into that deck, concentrating on this spread. With me I have memory problems, so I personally have to reread my spread and my questions over and over again for me to put all of that focus in because it's like, how can you focus if you don't know what it is that you're focusing on? So reread those questions before, after, in between, whenever it is that you want to. Do not feel pressured. Do not feel anxious. This is all up to you. You are the master here, so play to your own game. So here we have some questions. We have six cards to lay out. One through six, they are why you're magical, why you're rare, how you heal others, what tames you, how you transform, and the source of your power. And I will describe what those questions mean and how I got my answers. So go ahead and give me one moment and I will shuffle my deck three more times why three? Well, for me, I feel comfortable with three. It could be four, it could be two, six or nine. Three is a good number, especially in the um, witchcraft field. There are a lot of reasons why. And for my personal reasons, I just feel like three is just long enough and just short enough for me to get the show on the road for my focusing and my intent. So give me a few moments to shuffle thrice. Remember to breathe, inhale deeply, exhale through your nose. So after I shuffle, I personally like to cut my deck. I will hover my hands over the deck, close my eyes and concentrate with all my might on the spread that it is that I'm doing, whatever it is that I'm feeling. Sometimes if I don't even know what it is, if it's just a daily card or if I just need a quick draw, some help of some emotion that's overwhelming me, I'll just concentrate on that and then cut the deck and then draw that top card. So after shuffling, I'm going to concentrate and let my fingers glide over the edges and whenever they feel like, like um, holding on, I will then cut the deck and let them fall wherever.
There are times you'll notice that as you go to cut the deck nice and slow, cards will slip from your fingers. Then there are times where it feels super secure and strong, even though it's barely holding on, but you know for a fact that a card will not fall. It was just meant to be cut right there. So I have cut my deck, and I'm now ready to lay out my cards. So everyone lays out their cards differently and depends on the card. Sometimes they are made differently, uh, made by different artists, made for different people. Uh, like I said, cards are a, a window. They have different colors, different kaleidoscopes, different lenses to be viewed from. Um, I do have one deck that prefers, if they are reversed, that reversal is not the opposite of what that card represents. It is actually in reference to the person specifically. It is that card is directed towards that person, not about that person. It is for that person to listen to directly. But this card, I this card listens, it insists upon the reversal and the far right-handed opposite meaning. So I'm going to go ahead and lay them out now. All right. So as I lay them out, I do like to refer and look back at the book because I do have memory problems and I also just feel more secure looking at the book. You don't have to feel pressure to memorize them. You have the rest of your life to memorize these cards. You know, I watch movies and I look at, you know, old gypsy womans and how they just know things. And I'm like, that's what I want to be. But you have to remember that those are 50, 60-year-old women who have done this their entire life. And you can't expect to be in the position that they are now. You can't expect to just, you, you can't just go around acting like these aged crones who have experienced so much. Because then you're just going to be fooling yourself and leading yourself and others on a path that you don't understand, you know. You can't be teaching a clock class and not know what the gears, how how the gears work on the inside. So... There are cards that present themselves more often to me that I've been able to memorize and identify the second they show themselves, but I still like to refer back to the book just for that security. And you also want to take into, take into consideration not just what a book says, but also if there's any images or colors or thoughts or words that pop into your head when you look at those cards. So for this first card here, I have why you are magical and it's card number one and I drew a forward facing fool card that is the zero of the major arcana and here I'm going to read a description from the book this is a book made specifically for this specific type of deck um, I do prefer this is my main deck it is just the standard um, rider weight cards I just, I love the way that they look. I love, they look so, I don't know, just like all those movies that you saw as a kid whenever they were trying to spook you out by some magical witch tarot lady and these were the cards that she used. They looked so creepy. I love it. It just, it looks familiar and it makes me feel like home. So let's go ahead and start deciphering what this spread means. <laughs> 